Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Catherine Morehouse. On Tuesday, the United States and China, the world's two largest climate polluters, announced a landmark climate deal. Beijing agreed to reduce planet warming emissions from the power sector this decade, which is a step beyond where they had been before. And it also committed for the first time to curb all greenhouse gases, not just carbon dioxide. They also agreed to regular dialogue with the U.S. on climate change, which could bear even greater fruit in the future. That's Politico's Zach Coleman. He reports that this deal came together despite years-long geopolitical and economic tensions between the two countries, and just weeks before the United Nations climate talks begin in Dubai. This is a big deal because you have the two top emitters in the world, which combine for 40% roughly of global greenhouse gases, agreeing to walk in lockstep to solving these major problems and challenges in the world. And without them, we really cannot keep that goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius alive. Today, we chat with Zach about the details of the agreement, what's missing, and what it means for the future of climate negotiations. It's Thursday, November 16th. One of the biggest details here is China has agreed for the first time to include non-carbon dioxide gases in its climate action plan. That's significant because China's non-CO2 emissions would basically be the equivalent of the third highest total climate polluter in the world. So we're talking about methane, nitrous oxide, HFCs. There's a lot here. It also committed to having an absolute meaningful reduction in its power sector emissions this decade. That is a step beyond where it had been before, which was essentially to peak emissions by 2030. But what this suggests is even despite all the coal they're adding, that we will see a decline in emissions from the grid. Those are the two biggest points in terms of what this means for the climate in this deal. Okay, so what have the early reactions to this deal been? Does it include everything or at least most things that experts were hoping for? The upshot here is that the U.S. and China are talking again. There's a resumption of some pretty significant dialogue, some policy exchanges, uh, even some things that were kind of interesting to see, like the agreement to advance five large-scale carbon capture projects, which there weren't a whole lot of details on that, but that's a level of collaboration that we haven't seen in some time. And something to the effect of setting minimum standards for HFCs, which are these heat-trapping refrigerants that are used in air conditioners, and that's significant because China creates a lot of the products that use HFCs in the developing world, and you're going to see air conditioners multiply there. And for arresting climate change, you really need to do that well. To your point, it did not include some strong language on moving away from fossil fuels. There is this commitment to tripling renewable energy globally by 2030. Again, not tripling within the US or China itself, but tripling globally. And it does not have a strong statement or targets for getting off of coal, oil, and gas. And of course, the US is the world's largest oil and gas producer, and China is adding coal-fired power every other week at this point. So these are two major emitters that did not 
exactly put an end date on when they would stop using fossil fuels. Interesting. And obviously, some important context here is we know that U.S.-China relations have been frosty for some time. For instance, China actually suspended climate talks with the U.S. in August of last year after then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. Are we expecting climate negotiations to continue after this deal, or is this kind of a one-and-done situation? There is quite a lot of dialogue that's going to come as a result of this agreement. There is now a resumption of workshops that had that were supposed to begin before Pelosi visit took them off the table as Beijing suspended talks in retaliation for that visit to Taiwan. This is going to be a lot of technical exchanges, policy exchanges, sharing of strategies, the type of thing that can really get these two countries in a rhythm on climate change. But, you know, we have to again couch this in the fact that there are still broader tense relations between the two nations outside of the climate track. And while it's good to see this type of dialogue, and it does seem like it can continue, given the milestones that were established in this agreement, that it could also come to a screeching halt if things in the broader relationship go sour. Interesting. And and this deal comes just a couple weeks ahead of the UN climate talks in Dubai, which you will be covering. Is this a good sign for the conference? Does it mean anything for the conference? This is a good sign for the conference. I think people have been trying to compare it to the agreement China and the U.S. reached in 2014, just months ahead of the Paris talks, which ended with the Paris Climate Agreement that we all now know and you know guides the international framework on climate these days. And it's hard to say that it's the same level of momentum, but it certainly is a boon and it provides potentially some political teeth for China to lean into some of the other countries that have been more resistant to moving off of fossil fuels. If you see China say, you know, we've said we can do this, we know that you can, and they don't provide cover in the same way politically that they have for some other more resistant countries, then you might start to see some more political pressure on statements that would help move countries away from fossil fuels. But again, these are not firm targets. Countries like to set lofty goals and it's up to them to meet it. And we'll see how this plays out in the context of the negotiations. We should see whether this bore any fruit in the final text. Also, the European Union announced a first ever law to tackle methane emissions from fossil fuels on Wednesday. Remember, about two years ago, Brussels and Washington launched the Global Methane Pledge at COP26 in Glasgow. And now, the EU is furthering its pledge by forcing fossil fuel operators to measure and report emissions of the powerful greenhouse gas. The new regulations will also outlaw most cases of flaring and venting by 2027, and it allows the EU to impose rules on the bloc's foreign energy suppliers, including the United States. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Today's program support is provided by Chevron. 
Progress means producing renewable fuels for today's fleets. Chevron intends to grow their renewable fuels production capacity to 100,000 barrels per day by 2030. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash renewable fuels.